Welcome one and all to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore and together with Andy Mack, we're ready to bring you the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Folks, as we come on air right now, the battle to, uh, let's just say, stay relevant in football has, um, well, it's already into the second half. A good friend of ours, Emma Saunders, uh, who we knew from Krasnodar, she is reporting on the game for BBC. It is currently Arsenal 2. Newcastle nil and all the rumours of course about this game is that Newcastle have another person wanting to buy them so you never know what's going on with them so everyone seems to want to buy them but no one ever does kind of like I don't know like those like unwanted um, Salsisky Otesta when you go into a Solovoy you just look at them kind of go I'm not going to eat that because if I do I know that my tummy will be a bit sick anyway Folks, we are going to have a look ahead of, uh, to the, or look back, I should say, at the EPL because, of course, earlier on today, Aston Villa they went down three two to Spurs on a kind of a, it was a, it was a tough old game for Villa. They were leading one 0 at one point, but Spurs fought back, and of course, Son, the excellent Korean player, he uh, scored the winner. So there you go. That's uh, good for Spurs. They're on the way back up the table. Of course, Mr. Mourinho is guiding them well towards a European place. Okay, so. What else have we got for you on tonight's show? Well, quite soon we're going to speak with uh, Andrew Flint. And I think you will enjoy the chat with him because he's going to speak about the Man City uh, debacle because, of course, that was the biggest news in this uh, sporting week. I know we had Russian doping, we had lots of other things as well, but we had huge news around the world because this is one where Man City will be banned for two years. We're going to speak about that. Andy Mack is going to cover that in just a moment as well. Of course, we're going to look ahead later on to the Champions League, but before that, we're going to have a little chat with Craig Klein. Of course, he was the former assistant director of football with Fulham FC. And it is our kind of final step into the kind of the dark heart of football and it's going to be a fun one this time for sure in part four we have an exclusive we have someone making their debut on our show tonight should i tell them andy ah, a little teaser go on a little teaser okay well folks let's just say he how can you separate the man and the mustache is that a good one andy uh, i think he's already separated it is he not he's not shaved it it's unshaved still. I think it's still there. Still yes, in its glory. It's, it's lovely. From the I, World Cup. Yeah, because my other half said like, it looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Not that he looks like Freddie Mercury, but it looks like <laughs> Freddie Mercury's moustache. I'm thinking, is that a good thing? Uh, it depends how much cleaning he does at home, I suppose. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, a moustache doesn't work on me, but, it, well, he, he pulls it off. There you go. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, okay, of course, that is, of course, the Russian rugby legend, rugby captain, Vasily Artemiev. He will be joining us in part four just at 10 o'clock because, of course, we'll have Alex B on before that as well. In part five, we have a very special guest. We have John Viola. He is one of the world's leading football agents. Of course, he was the former agent for R- Roberto Carlos, the former Angie Machachkala player, and, of course, Brazilian legend, the man with that bendy foot. Um, we're going to speak with him, and also we have a Russian exclusive that he's going to give us on air tonight. That's just around 10.30 tonight, so make sure that you stay tuned in because this is a globally brilliant show and in part six we have capital punishment and we look ahead of course to the six nations okay folks we will also next week next saturday evening or well actually sunday morning our time um it very early sunday morning actually at seven o'clock Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury will meet again. Okay, they will meet again. So there's a lot of uh, buzz around that because, of course, uh, Fury has been in there the ring. So many questions about him, whether he's taking performance-hunting substances and so on. He says he hasn't. Of course, he's, he threatened to sue uh, UCAD. And, uh, yeah, so he threatened to sue UCAD, the UK anti-doping, and they pulled the, um, let's just say they were afraid to take him on in court because it would cost him a lot of money. Okay, we also had, the, of course, the Russian doping scandal. We'll speak about it a bit later. But first, Andy, um, before we look back at yesterday's games, um, what's happened with Man City? Just explain to the listeners and what, um, what lies ahead for them right now in the immediate future. Well, 
They've been banned from European football now for two years for breaching what's been described as multiple uh, rules that um, they have under financial fair play, um, which means that as of next season, regardless of where they finish in the Premier League this year, they won't be playing in the Champions League. So um, this upcoming fixture that they have now in the last 16 against Real Madrid uh, could be quite a pivotal one for them and certainly for the other clubs in the Premier League that might be sniffing around those top four or five spots for um, top tier European football next year because if they go out then it looks like Sheffield United will they'll slip into fourth place so I mean that's the way it's looking right now so yeah. um, and, and it is a fact that even if they win the Champions League this year which you know they could do they could yeah. do I, I, Real Madrid aren't up all that much um, if they win the Champions League this year they can't come back and defend it no matter what that's how I understand it but that's obviously pending now they've got 10 days as of uh, it was on Tuesday wasn't it so they've got I think they've already lodged an appeal yeah, I believe with CAS yeah, the uh, Court yeah. of Arbitration of Sport yeah. so um, based on that I mean Man City are saying that the, um, due to the, the limitations of the way that UEFA look at the, um, the I think it was specifically the, the way that they would kind of rolled out how they were getting sponsorship and where that sponsorship money was coming from um, Man City are saying that UEFA look at it in a very limited way, whereas a, a, a court, in this case, the Court of Arbitration of Sport, might define it a different way. And that's already kind of been backed by them before in the past. So they're, I think, kind of confident that it might not go through, or they'll be certainly praying it doesn't. Because, I mean, it's not the first time Man City have had um, a lot of slaps and wrists, because this, of course, came in in 2011-2012 season. And, of course, naming rights for the stadium was the one that they were hit with first. And there was yeah. all these different... But, I mean... A lot of clubs have done that. I mean, we know Spartak Moscow did the same thing here as well. So, you know, RJD, yeah, like you know, with Lokomotiv, all clubs are trying to play around the edges because if you want to remain competitive, you have to game the system. It's not okay. I know before we came on air, and you're going to speak about it in just a moment about financial doping. Yes, there is no no two ways about it. There's lots of types of doping. There's motor doping in cycling, for example. There is just regular chemical doping and so on and so forth. But financial doping. Uh, in, in, in your opinion, that's the, the killer. And that's kind of what UEFA set this up to be, so that clubs wouldn't be able to rise from like you know playing in the Park League up to playing in the Champions League uh, simply by throwing lots and lots of money at it. And that's kind of what Man City had done, correct? Well, that's apparently what they're being accused of at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one, and, it, and it's one that really... Um, I'm quite split on it, if I'm being honest. Um, if I roll back maybe 10 years... I remember Galatasaray being quite a big force in European football. When they got hit with the financial fair play for the first time, it absolutely ruined the club. Um, they were banned from Europe, I think, for a year the first time, and then it was extended another year after they appealed it. Um, and since then, they've, they've, they've done absolutely nothing. They've struggled domestically. They've struggled to attract players. Only this season have they really kind of been able to have a bit of clout about them and bring the likes of Falcao in and start to get back to almost where they were 20 odd years ago in terms of you know actually being able to to, to punch um their weight effectively for the for the stature of the club they are on european um competition but you then flip that the other way around and you can argue that the likes of saracens in rugby perhaps rangers in football or man city currently in football who have dominated it until jürgen klopp came in and turned liverpool round are they doing it in a way that makes it so unfair for everyone else to even even get close to competing because that's what we've seen currently when you know man city was so good and everyone thought they couldn't touch them well if you look at it because so man city uh, came in they put money 
Um, I, I saw this argument put forward by Martin Samuel, of course, of the uh, the day, I was going to say Daily Fail, the Daily Mail, uh, and 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 he's kind you of did like say. I, I did say sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> my apologies. Um, so basically, uh, his thing was well, look, Man United have you know bought success on basically being leveraged. They they bought like they're they're massively indebted. Um, the club was bought through a debt deal, um, as in money debt. Um, Whereas Man City have just had like petrodollars thrown at them, so where is the where is the fair play? We had the same thing, of course, with uh, Abramovich and Chelsea. Of course, Chelsea were hit hard; were not allowed to get to buy players and so on and so forth. We've seen the same with Dinamo Moscow because they were like thrown out of Europe. We've seen the same with Krasnodar. We've seen the same even with like you know Fenerbahce, for example, in in, yeah. in, in Turkey. So all these, let's just say, smaller market clubs. So what basically Samuel's thesis is is that this is just ring fencing the Champions League for. The big clubs, traditional clubs, who no one like the likes of Liverpool, who again are also a team that like they have their debts as well. I mean, yeah. you know, if you look at West Ham, have like a lot of debt, but they're not even in the halfpenny place compared to Liverpool or Man United or or even Man City. If you look at it in that way, yeah. Um, and you look at say Dinamo Zagreb. Okay, so this was like in 2015, 16. Just bear with me for a second, Andy. Uh, Astana, of course, just down the road. They got fined two million. Okay, um, and they were required. They did uh, this. 15-16 season uh, well 1.5 million was suspended this is Euros of course squad, squad reduced 22 players uh, they were restricted on who they can buy uh, and they had to break even in 2018 they did that successfully Dinamo Zagreb 200,000 euro fine squad reduced 23 players and they had to break even in 2016 Fenerbahce 7.5 million fine but 5.5 reduced uh, uh, suspended squad reduced respecting blah 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 and also Trabs on Sport Okay, same question with Galatasaray. Yep. Now, Milan, of course, they were also thrown out. They seem to have thrown out of yep. Europe as well. Uh, Man City, we know we're done. Also, in December, in this past, just December 2019, you had uh, Ordebasi from Kazakhstan, Olympia Ljubljana, and Red Star Belgrade, Sylvanus uh, Vieza. Why were they done? Because uh, the, um, Kazakhstan, they had, to, they had to pay money and they were not allowed to sign new players. Olympia, the same, and they were fined and so on, like smaller fines. That was over non payment of uh, payables, shall we say. So they owed money. Yeah. How does that work out then? So, like, I mean, if it's if if you, for me, financial fair play doesn't make sense, Andy. Can you explain to me? Like, I mean, it's well, it's a catch twenty two here because a lot of these clubs are relying on the deals and uh, money that European football brings in. So, for a lot of the smaller clubs like Chervan and Svezda, for example, just competing in the Champions League is ten million in their pocket. So, in this sense, UEFA are looking at preventing clubs from spending far too much to ensure that they are getting back into those competitions every year. So, in other words, they're not running risky business in the sense that they could go bankrupt or create further debt just by trying to get make sure they're in it every season. Well, that happens. I mean, like... Uh, it does. Like, um, I, 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 was, I saw it happen myself before my eyes. Uh, Shelburne FC in Dublin, in, in Ireland. They had a great run in Champions League. They then went into the UEFA Cup. This is back in 2004. When they, it was really... A momentous time. You had a knocked out Hydex Split, who of course were like, you know, European kind of like fallen royalty, but still a very good, fully professional side. Uh, they knocked out team uh, K.O. Reykjavik, uh, Reykjavik. Then they, they uh, went and played Deportivo La Coruña when they were in their pump and almost beat them. And then they went in they played, I think it was uh, Lons, I think then in the UEFA Cup. So they made, they went from being almost 1 million euros in debt before they started their run in Europe to being 1.5 million in the black afterwards. And it really worked for them, but then they went bust a year later because the money that they was keep owed, chasing it. exactly, and the money they had did owed to players, they bought up the best players in Ireland, and so on and so forth. The Dock have done the same thing, but they haven't chased it. Yeah, you know, Shamrock Rovers did the same thing, but they haven't chased it. You know, they're balancing out. 
Well, for, for a lot of the, let's say, smaller European-scale clubs, the onus for them is on developing their own players that is in turn going to create big profit, especially if you look at the likes of Serbia, maybe less so Serbia now, but Croatia over the last five, ten years, keep producing big players. They then sell them on to Italy, Germany, Spain. They have a sell-on fee, and it's kind of like a guaranteed income over the next five years with buyout clauses, sell-on clauses, etc., etc. So they've got a bit of sustainability, but the clubs that are just chasing it that don't have any sell-on value for their players that they've got and have just bought big for experienced players like Galatasaray were doing with the likes of Drogba, uh, some of the ageing Turkish stars from 2004, um, they had no value in them. And once they'd gone into that debt and they hadn't qualified, I think they actually lost... Oh no, I think that was Fenerbahce actually that lost to Spartak Moscow in that qualifier for the Champions League that kind of ruined them back then. Um, and once they don't make it, they yeah, they're kind of, you know, they either have to sell off all of the best players or, you know, face the sanctions. Well, this is because, I mean, we, we, it would be at this point, it'd be good to talk about Zombie FC or better known as Glasgow Rangers. I mean, they had the same thing where they went bust, but they went down to divisions and had to fight their way back up. Of course, with the fan base that they have, they were always going to come back to the, yeah. to the top flight. I mean, they, they, well, they no, still they hold records, I think, in every single division now. Exactly. For I mean, in all fairness, I mean, they're playing like you know a bunch of like sheep from the Highlands, and like they're going to at least win one nil or at least draw away from home. But no, I mean, like, seriously, like, I mean, they, they they were going to sweep back up the divisions, but it was punishment because that was at least three, four years unless they won a cup out of Europe. Yeah. What happened to them? I mean, like, was it overspending as well, chasing the dream? I mean, well, the scandal there was that. I mean, roll it back. How many years? You're looking at the likes of Tor Andre Flo moving to Rangers for twelve and a half million. I mean, that was huge money at the time, even compared to the English Premier League. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, and they had a fantastic squads, bought with massive international stars playing everywhere. Um, but what they were doing was something called an EBT, which was a contract where they weren't exactly declaring the full amount of what was being paid, and a lot of it was then given in bonuses, so they weren't paying tax on ah, a large portion okay. of the of, of the player and manager wages. The issue there is, are the players aware? Because a lot of them are actually facing punishment potentially in, you know, uh, they owe all this tax effectively on the money that they've earned, but they weren't aware of it, or some of them are claiming they weren't aware of it at the time. Um, and for a lot of them, it, they're facing bankruptcy off the, the sheer, sheer size of the money that they haven't paid tax on. Um, and this is why Rangers eventually kind of uh, folders that they actually owed the tax man, I think, over 60 million um, by the, time, by the time that the investigation had finished. And they couldn't pay it, they didn't have the money. That's insane. Okay, um, just as you mentioned Flo, I mean, he, he, he came from Brand Bergen uh, to Chelsea for £300,000 in 97, then went to Rangers in November 2000 for £12 million. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea's well out of that. I yeah, mean, yeah. Good <laughs> that was good. There. I mean, okay, he was knocking in goals and so on, and then he was sold then um, that, you know, he, 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 he was sold for, well, something around £8 million or something like that. Kind of like to yeah. Sunderland. So, again, Sunderland are a team that blew lots of money to try and you know, chase but the dragon. a lot of these clubs knew. So, you know, exactly. they're, they're, once they realise that a club's in, in financial difficulty or financially flushed, they'll go one way or the other with their bids, knowing that they have to kind of accept it. But that's, that's what happened, I remember, with um, Sporting Fingolf, for example, in Ireland. So they, they were qualified for Europe, were doing quite well, and really building a club, a community club, the first real, real European club in Ireland. And... Um, they were doing very, very well. And then, of course, some like Shawnee Williams, that, like, they were very much sought after by clubs in, in uh, the UK. But they wanted to hold on to them unless a big, big came in. And I remember then because they knew that they were in trouble, not financial, because they, they were going to have a funding gap um, at one period of time, 
Celtic came in with a bid for fifty thousand euros for a player who was worth probably around a quarter of a million, at, at minimum. And they said uh, basically, if you don't accept it, then when yeah. when the club goes bust, we'll just pick them up. We we'll pick them up for free. So I mean, it's all that like kind of like you know, the, the, the the playing games. Um, okay, if uh, and Andy's going to try and get Mr. Andrew Flint on the line. So folks, it is still two 0 It is coming to the end of the game. Um, it's about oh it's three 0 Excuse me. Is it three? It is three nil exactly. So uh, yeah, so three nil right now. There's about two and a little bit minutes left. Uh, so what else was happening around the English league today? Well, folks, uh, today as I mentioned already, that we had uh, that. Well, I should say a terrific win for Spurs three two away to Aston Villa yesterday. Liverpool, of course, they continue to march strongly on one nil win away to Norwich City. So that's a, a good one for them. Burnley, they uh, were 2-1 winners over Southampton. Now, folks, what has is, is coming up tomorrow? Because, of course, tomorrow at 11 o'clock our time here in Moscow, we have the Chelsea Man United showdown. Now, a lot of rumours floating around, especially um, Mr. <laughs> I was going to say Tor Andy Flo, but that's uh, just my own little mistake. It's not. It's floating around Manchester United because, of course, they, he had three targets apparently in his transfer window. They, he couldn't get any of them. So basically, they're talking about that he's going to get rid of them in the summer. Now, also, United want to get uh, rid of Paul Pogba because okay, they need to try and get some money in very, very quickly. They're looking for 100 million. However, uh, his agent basically said that he's already spoken this is Mina Raiola he has spoken with Juventus about the midfielder and that he said that it would not be impossible for him to leave Man United in the summer now Juve their plan and we're going to confirm this a bit later on uh, Juve are planning to offer Aaron Ramsey the Welsh international and the French midfielder Adrien Rabiot to Man United as part of a kind of 125 million package so you get two good players who are like experienced, good hard-working players, and you get rid of one kind of a bit of a stroppy little git. Anyway, folks, we're going to go out uh, on that note, talk about stroppy gits, because uh, we're still trying to get uh, Andrew Flint on the phone. We're going to go out with Naughty Boy and, Naughty Boy and uh, Sam Smith with La La La, back after the break with Andrew Flint. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. <laughs>
Jumping to a couple of sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore. I'm still here with Andy Mack. Andy, uh, has it gone 4 0 or still 3 0? Yeah, 4 0 now to Arsenal. Uh, Lacazette's got the fourth. Mesut Ozil uh, with the third. I believe that was also in stoppage time. So, yeah, it, it's just gone full time. Yeah, just gone full time. So, 4 0 Arsenal, Newcastle. And if we look at it right now, I mean, the table, I mean, okay, we know the Liverpool have won. They've won it since October. Uh, they are now 20. Five points ahead of Man City. Man City, of course, have a game in hand. They'll play midweek. Leicester City, they are in third. Now, we're going to speak with Leicester in just a moment because they, they messed up badly yesterday against Wolves. Leicester, they, they, they dropped two points that they needed. Friday night, yeah. Friday, sorry, yeah. No, Saturday, Friday night. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was terrible. They also had a man sent off. Um, yeah, they've kind of, I don't know, it's been a bit of a barren spell. I think it's one win in five. That was at home to West Ham, who were kind of going through a bit of a, a, a crazy spell at that point. And since then, they've drawn with Chelsea. That could be a fair result. Away at Wolves, also a fair result. I'm yeah, not, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's maybe we're sort of over overthinking that, the, that this is really a dry spell when actually they've con- consistently picked up points and not lost to potential rivals. I mean, because Wolves, they, I mean, they're in seventh place, so they're not like a bad team. It's not like a team, and that's... they're also in touch. They're only what yeah. three points behind Sheffield United. So... That's right. They're four points off uh, Spurs. So uh, who Spurs are in yeah. uh, fifth place right now? So I mean, they, they are chasing hard on that. And of course, Chelsea. I mean, they're on forty-one points. But again, looking at that table, if Man City drop out, then you've got Sheffield United up into fifth place in the table and into a Champions League playoff. Well, the big one for Leicester. Next is uh, they. I think they've got Man City at home. So it's this week, isn't it? No, uh, West West Ham next, Man City this week, isn't it? Uh, that's midweek, yeah. and then I think next weekend it's um, Leicester Man City. Maybe a tough one. Okay, we're going to go out to Siberia to uh, Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, you can hear us loud and clear. 
Good. Okay. We just hope that you're going to uh, stay with us and you're in a good uh, reception zone. So basically, uh, Andrew, uh, we're speaking earlier on about the Man City uh, result. Um, as a Man United fan, uh, how does it make you feel? Because of course they they have like lots of petrodollars pumped in. You've had lots of debt dollars pumped in. Are you a bit worried? Yeah, I mean, the first instinct when you hear a news news headline like that, of course, you you have a bit of glee, a bit of schadenfreude at seeing your your noisy neighbours um, getting punished. But it doesn't quite sit. Yeah, I've been trying to put my finger on it all day, and it's it it just it feels like an example's being set. And in one sense, it's a good thing because in the basic principle of what financial fair play is supposed to do is is good, but. Um, how equally is it being distributed, these punishments? And that's what concerns me. What do you mean by how equally is it being distributed, Andrew? I mean, like, what, well, what, I mean, what like how, it's, how it's being applied. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in the show, for example, um, other other clubs who have been, I wouldn't say quite been destroyed, but they really have had their five, ten-year plans turned upside down. Dynamo Moscow, for example, over here. Um, at the time, I said to myself, I think this is a good thing. They were overspending, they were forced to sell, they were relegated, they had that fire sell, they've come back, they're stronger, they're developing a lot of good young players. But you you look at the likes of PSG, they have yeah. no way that the amount of money they've had pumped in is, is, is really a great deal different um, from what Manchester City have had pumped in. And I just wonder how, how equally UEFA are going to spread their punishment. Now, there is a thing with PSG where, of course, they had Qatari dollars, uh, petrodollars pumped in, and the, the, the kind of threat was that they thre- threatened, I mean, it was like it was said openly, to bankrupt UEFA, that they would really go after UEFA. So, um, you know, is it kind of the case, we mentioned earlier on a bit like Tyson Fury and, uh, well, lots of other like athletes as well in the UK, where they, where they make a threat to the governing body, for example, in that case it was UCAT, uh, they say, we're going to take you to court and we have more money than you. That's it. So they're not going to be able to defend themselves. Yeah. Surely, though, PSG couldn't do that against um, against UEFA. UEFA surely have more money than the, the UAE or Abu Dhabi. Uh, well, um, <laughs> and, and he's giggling away here in the background. Um, I think it's really a mess that UEFA would much rather not get involved in. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's not so much a matter of, of, of money. It's just UEFA cannot really afford for this to be something that is dragged out, which inevitably City will do everything in their power to do so. They can't afford UEFA can't afford for it to be dragged out over two, three, four seasons. Um, which uh, uh, you know, a um, uh, case of this scale of this magnitude, it really could be. Um, uh, I think I think really, it's it's too late. Basically, fin- financial fair play is too late. As a lot of people have said in the media and over the weekend, twenty years ago it could have done a very very good job. Now that there are a lot of clubs, well, I say a lot. There's an, an elite band of clubs who are so well established globally with their branding, their marketing, their income that nobody can really catch them now with FFB in place, and and that's that's really the problem. Um, the intentions are good. It's just the timing's not good. Okay, no, that's an interesting. Like the, the, we've mentioned it again in the first segment, or also in the first segment, with the elite group of clubs. Um, now we, we, like, we can we can name who they who they might be. I mean, you've got like Real Madrid, who you know who were basically bankrupt, and the city bought the training ground off them and then gave it back to them. So you've got Barcelona, the same thing, where they've they've done deals left, right, and centre, and they've also like lost 
tons of money. So I mean, like it's 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 very like when you talk about elite group of clubs who have their their branding and so on and so forth. Um, surely then the fact that they've actually been developing that other clubs like Man City have been you know always had a very good following, good stadium, you know, mm-hmm. good things going on around the club as well. But they just weren't smart enough to do it. So why, 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 why should we allow them just because they're joining completely? I mean, if they're breaking rules, they're breaking rules. You know, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, that's, that's the thing. Um, I read quite a really, really good in-depth report by Miguel Delaney. Yeah, from The Independent. For two-parter. Yeah. Um, where he makes that basically that very point. They, there is no point trying to say that financial fair play is perfect. It obviously isn't. But there's no point. It's more damaging for UEFA and football in general if you have a massive set of rules in place that all the clubs signed up to, um, what, about eight, nine, ten years ago, whenever it was, um, to then turn around and say, well, look, they are breaking the rules, but we're not going to do anything about it. it. It would basically render UEFA completely impotent. It would make their 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 status in the game completely pointless so they have to follow through they're in they have no choice in the match they have to follow through with the punishment whether city fans will like it or not it's just for the the financial play needs to be fine-tuned but the punishment has to go through um or they have to pursue it to the utmost um if what will happen who knows but it, they have to go through with it but it's, it's i mean it's always going to land at cass's doorstep i think and if cass overturn it every single time the the big elite are just going to rub their hands and go, well, you can't actually really do anything about this because it's not really the footballing money as such. It, it's more to do with what's going on roundabout with uh, all the deals that they've got, the renaming, the rebranding, the this, that and the other. And can UEFA really touch that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one because if you look like, I mean, if, if you know, no, if, when they go into cast, uh, Man City will pick one uh, judge uh, or one, like, um, well, arbiter, uh, UEFA will pick one, and there'll be one picked by CAS. So they will decide better whether it's, like, fair or not. So it's basically 50... Like, it is kind of... A, yeah. it's, 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 it's a hope. It'll be 2-1 or whatever it might be. We'll see how they, how they present it. But if they flop from that, then they're, you know, UEFA's sanctions are looking floppy. Um, and as you said, like, you know, then they're completely impotent. So what then will be their Viagra to get them back in the game? Well, I think it's going to be something of a on a catastrophic scale. I've been speaking to in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew, we, we can't yeah. in uh, f- football finance, and and it, it, I think basically it's going to take an extinction of the game. Clubs are going to go going to keep on spending at ridiculous rates. Clubs are going to go bust at an unprecedented rate. The football bubble can't last. The last TV deal, the Premier League TV deal, what eight point seven billion, eight point nine billion, I think it was. It's just getting it's getting ridiculous. It can't keep going on like this. It just simply there won't, there won't be enough money to to put into these deals, and eventually clubs are are going to go out of existence at a, at a scary rate. I think that's the only thing. Basically, a reset is the only way it's really going to work. But listen, Will, this, we've always heard this, and I've heard it since I was a kid, like from the, you know, well, that I was aware of it from the 80s, that uh, whether it's hooliganism, whether it is financial malpractice, whether it's like crappy stadiums and so on, football is always ready to go bust, like just to go, finished, done. Clubs are out the door and so on. But one club goes and another club reforms. So, you know, it just, I don't know. Do you not think that clubs are going to just pivot? Because I think UEFA, as you said, okay, 20 years ago or more, if they put this in pl- into place, it might have helped European football more. Um, but I think it would have been even 30, 40 years ago because there's always been clubs throwing money at players, spending money they don't have, 
and hoping for results. As Andy said earlier in the first segment, that they want to do it. So again, I ask, what what will be the one to sort of like um, to make you know to give to give uh, UEFA a stick to beat clubs with? Because right now I don't see it, Andrew. Yeah, I, uh, quite frankly, I think it's an impossible situation. I think um, the European Super League breakaway is virtually inevitable and has been for a while. It's just a matter of when, not if, because these clubs are not going to. If you ever do follow through, like they say, they're going to with the, you know, pushing this all the way through um, to course of arbitration for sport, and, and like I say, they have no option but to do that. Um, yeah outcome that satisfies City's owners and the precedent is set, they're not going to take it and they will simply take their clubs out. And the, the, the sort of the closed market of North American sport, I think, will appeal to them. And that's what the European Super League will end up being. And I, I don't think, really, there's much to either avoid that um, or clubs keeping on spending beyond their means if clubs are allowed to get away with it. So it's one of those two for me, really. Well, look, if we look at like a couple of weeks ago, less than two weeks ago, um, ten days ago, basically, that the, the English Premier League, they signed a six-year rights deal with a Swedish company to um, called Nordic Entertainment Group, okay, NENT Group. Uh, so they're going to be showing it, and yeah, it's Nordic. It's like it's Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland. Okay, from 2022 to 20, 2028. Okay, it's worth two billion, two billion pounds. Okay, so that's that's a huge amount of money for the Premier League in in a market that's you know it has money in it, but it's 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 not a you know. There's not a huge amount of people living there, but that's, you know, the, the money that they have in, I mean, how can they close it? Because if you look at it, like, as you said, uh, Sky and BT, they put together a, a, a 1.5 billion deal, okay, almost 1.6 billion deal. And Amazon, Amazon, of course, who you know, well, you know, they're now on Amazon Prime, um, they put together 90 million pounds, okay? So, I mean, it, 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 if you look, like, down, like, you look, like, like the, the, the Russian Premier League, I don't think it's even, you know, it's, it's probably behind Liechtenstein. You know, it's, it's that bad. Actually, it is behind Liechtenstein. It's behind Austria. You know, so, I mean, you know, Scotland has 32 million worth of but, a deal. But, I mean, there's got to be a ceiling to all that at a point where the only people suffering from all of this, rolling back to FFP, is the fan. I mean, fans are going to not want to pay that kind of... The more money's going up and being pumped into it, the more fans have to pay to watch it. Because so, therefore... Every- People are just going to stop watching yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like F- FFP, of course, we know it's it's, it's a combination of um, you can't overspend over a three-year period. Um, but fans can. But fa- yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you see, people, how much is it for a bloody season ticket at Arsenal? Even just a re- just even a regular ticket for a game. Well, yeah, you know, to to go with your like, I'd bring Tim to a game. So two of us go into a game here, for example, and it'll, you know, for local, for example, or Dinamo, it doesn't matter, here in Moscow. And it's going to set us back, like, say, even in decent seats, about a thousand rubles. Yeah. Okay. So what, like, you know, 10 pounds or, well, 11 pounds, be, yeah. yeah, 12 pounds. And it's great. So we get a, a normal game and fine. Okay. It might be a bit cold, might be a bit like ropey, but we're, we're, we're still going to enjoy it. That's not even going to get you a program in England. Like as in a book, like a brochure yeah. when you go to a game. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it here, Andrew. I mean, if you look at like the the, the French league, Ligue 1, they have 1.7, okay. But of course, they have Qatari money coming in, being sports. So I mean, the Bundesliga has 1.1 billion euros. Um, La Liga has 1.1 uh, billion as well, um, and in Syria has like just under a billion. You know, I don't know, like. And if, if if okay, would you be worried for other clubs right now in England, for, if, if, like Man United, like if they have continued to have another great season, if they go out of Europe early, they don't qualify for Europe next year, 
Um, would you fear for United that maybe that they would start to you know get dragged down into the mire with the likes of Man City? Uh, I mean, in the short term, no, simply because the Manchester United brand, and I hate referring to it, but you can't avoid it. Football is a business. The Manchester United brand is one of the strongest in the world, and it will eventually degrade, but it will be a process. It won't. It won't just be two or three seasons. It will take 10, 15 seasons to completely degrade that brand. So there will still be income. Um, I think that the proposition of Manchester United as a purchase option for other rich, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> individuals, groups, investment funds. We have a quick, you know, whip around here. Yeah, I think so. We could try. The Saudis might look south from Newcastle to try and buy United. You never know. Like there have been rumours that the Saudis want to buy United. They, they, they said, why should we... Well, it, it's, they've, they've, they've been strong links for, for quite a long time. Yeah. For about 30-odd years, there have been um, sponsorship deals with with uh, Saudi companies uh, at Manchester United, which people have generally glossed over <laughs> in the argument when they look at Manchester City down their nose at you know, the, the Abu Dhabi investment. So it's not out of the question. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's the, it would be an attractive brand to buy. It could happen. Listen, if okay. you're listening, if you're listening, we should start a GoFundMe. Yeah, for Man United. There you go. Let's see, see what we can all chip in. <laughs> okay, Andrew, listen, we're going to speak to you again in part six, so you just stay warm out there in two men. Folks, we're going to have to break right now with Panic at the Disco. This is High Hopes. This is a Don Diablo remix, but you're going to enjoy it. Back after the break with Craig Klein. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Mama said, fulfill the prophecy, be something greater. Manifest destiny Back in the days we wanted everything Wanted everything Mama said Burn your biographies Rewrite your history Light up your wildest dreams Museum victories Every day we wanted everything Wanted everything
и я Дайна Шоу, диджей Capital FM. У меня есть новый 11-й смартфон. 11, 11, 11. Я его отдам тебе. Подарю просто так. Но пока он знает только мое лицо. Найди фрагменты моей фотографии, собери изображение полностью, разблокируй смартфон и забирай его. Для этого всего лишь нужно слушать Эфир Capital и ловить подсказки. Предложение не является публичной офертой. Folks, welcome back to Capital Sports on Moscow Capital FM. Folks, we're going to go on to the phone in just a moment uh, to speak with Craig Klein. However, before we do, um, Andy, we're, we're just we're speaking just before we, we uh, came back on air. Uh, if you look down the list of the TV deals for leagues, of course, you've got the English Premier League top League One from France. As I mentioned, they are kind of second, but they're kind of being overtaken now quite soon by the Bundesliga in Germany. La Liga, then you got Serie A. Turkish League is in sixth place, but that's tied with Brazil in terms of like world leagues. The English Football League, the three three leagues. I don't think that's fair, but they they have a deal worth 119 million pounds, so that's not too bad. You got Portugal, then you got Major League Soccer tied with them. You have the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. Okay, blah, 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 all the way down. You got Sweden, you've got Norway, you got then Scotland in 17th place. But 32 million pounds is not that bad, Andy, for for you know a relatively small market league. What? How many people? Five million in Scotland. But if you think about how many people or the the global appeal of two clubs within it, I know Rangers were away for a long time, and it kind of dampened the mood in terms of people actually wanting to buy the league because there wasn't much competition. But now there is, and the SFA I think should take full responsibility for not negotiating properly they've, they've put themselves in such a bad light that they can't actually get any good deals anymore sort of scrapping and scraping across Italy I think they've got a deal with Match TV as well at the moment they show the odd game now and again yeah. uh, but it's not advertised anywhere it's not you know, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I, well I mean let's look at where Russia Russia's 21 okay they've got 22 minutes. it's even lower than the uh, Austrian league you know it's lower than as at Liechtenstein Romania it, it's terrible. You've got 240, 240 live matches, the same as in Sweden, okay? But Sweden have two divisions. There's only one division included in this one, mm. in, in, in the Russian Premier League. We discussed this before. It's just like, match TV, okay, fine. They, they're, they're trying to do their best. But when they have good Serie A matches, we, what was the game we saw last week? Uh, uh, Milan Derby, yeah. The Milan Derby. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to see the viewership. I know they're having issues over viewers and numbers of viewers and so on. But, you know, at the same time, Time difference maybe doesn't help for some of it. I was going to say that. It, it's also quite late. Yeah. It is uh, quite late. So, I mean, if, if we're talking even about the, the match tomorrow, which I'd really like to see, that, that, that Chelsea-United game, yeah. that's going to be a cracker, but it's going to be 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I, I've, got, I've got, like, uh, academic council meeting in the morning at 10 o'clock. You know, stop, stop I, making excuses. No. <laughs> yeah. So if I you could, don't make it to that now, you're going to be in serious trouble. They'll know that I'm sitting watching the game. No, because it, 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 was it was it um was it a Sunday night? No, not a Sunday night. When was it? Saturday night, I think it was, before training. And I was listening to um, all the Irish games on Irish radio. Which again, folks, you know that radio is the best medium of all for sports. It's just excellent. We know that. Um, We're not and, biased. No, definitely not biased, but it is true. Uh, so basically, when when we um, I was listening to all these games all the way through the night. Um, well, not all through the night, so I say. It was like after midnight before the last game finished. And I looked at the clock and went, my goodness, it's nearly 1am in the morning. But you had so much fun with it that, you know, it just it, it just flew by. However, it was a Saturday night going to a Sunday morning, so I was there to make it up for training in the morning. So, folks, uh, another 
few little uh, bits and bobs from around the league as well, of course, from England. Uh, Man City players were called in on Saturday morning to a meeting, okay? Um, and they were basically told, uh, basically one hour after it was announced on Tuesday that they were going to be banned for two years, that the players came in. Uh, one of the issues that are, is being faced right now is if, if Pep Guardiola, he has one, one, um, um, year to go on his contract will he stay or will he go because of course they're talking about Pochettino Andy what do you like Pochettino he'd be he, he, he'd land in a Man City I mean but surely he would want to do that because he'd have two years a lot of his players are going to look to leave you already said with Galatas right I mean you've got like some of the players who are not going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing for a year yeah also Man, also Man City will have to take into account that they'll have the FFP things in with you know loss of revenue from Champions League etc they're really going to have to cut budget to, to, to appease all of the things that are going to happen to them um, I can't see many managers wanting that gig if uh, if and when I think Pep no. Guardiola leaves because you, you see some of the guys like you know, De Bruyne so they're, they're just going to like say ciao cacao and they're going to go so. right okay we have got Craig Lyon uh, Craig Lyon on the line all the way from England Craig you can hear us loud and clear Hey, yeah, how are you guys? Great. It's great to have you back on. Uh, I know you were on the road last week, uh, so we weren't we wanted to catch up. However, we wanted to finish off on a high like we, we, we wanted to do. Um, and, you know, basically, I want to straight off ask you, because we left off on a point that I think is really, really important for, let's say, Russian clubs. Because, of course, we know that... Um, Racism and so on and so forth only happens in Eastern Europe. It doesn't happen in, 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 the, in the nice countries, <laughs> the nice leagues. But you saw this and you, were, you, you saw the attitude of some coaches, like some managers, and who to sign, who not to sign, correct? It's rampant yeah. in the sport. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many race quotas. Um, at first team levels and at youth levels, uh, a lot of gaffers have open policies of no foreigners or limited amount of foreigners. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that this is just casual racism, that it's a legitimate uh, way to approach squad balance, that you only, you know, you can only have so many Africans, etc. But of course, you know, that's, that doesn't come close to being compliant in the modern world. So it, it'll be interesting to see how every country deals with that. And the West is is really struggling. So you know, any any pretense that this is not an issue in England is insane. Okay, can you give us like an example, like say things would have been said? You did sort of mention a, a few things that were said before. Just remind our listeners of like say, um, uh, without naming names, of course. But what 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 was the kind of tone of the language used, and and what was what was said about like bringing in foreign players, oh, for yeah. example, Africans? Well, I I've had gaffers say. No, no Moroccans, no Egyptians, nothing like that. I've had a, a former director of football say, no Africans, can't trust them about their age. Uh, I've had uh, one gaffer say, no more blacks, uh, unless it's a real powerhouse at center forward or defensive mid, no more blacks. We have too many blacks. <laughs> you know, just crazy things like that. Um, some of these people aren't very educated, to be fair. And some of their language is sloppy, but but obviously that doesn't come close to excusing that sort of uh, discriminatory statements. And these impact jobs, playing time, contracts massively. 
careers. Well, of, co- of course it does. I mean, it, it goes without saying. Um, switching back across the other side of the pond to the NFL, because, of course, you, you worked with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, you, you know how the league works there. Um, now, before we mention anything about medicine or doctors, um, they're, they're, first of all, your pick was correct. You said the Chiefs would win. They won. So you basically backed up everything we were saying in the studio. So thank you very much for that, Craig. So uh, (laughs) you you said, from a statistical point of view, they're going to win. And they won. It was great. Um, So we did did big you up last week. We we big you up last week for that. Um, Great. Um, I I want to ask in terms of in in the NFL, because we know that a lot of the... um, Well... I don't know what the present is anymore, but the, the, it was well over half of the players in the league were of African-American origin. Um, but in, compared to coaches, head coaches of NFL teams, it was very, very, you know, I mean, there's one or two. But um, in America, there is something called the Rooney Rule, correct? Right. And, yes, and, and exactly. what, what, what is that? Can you just describe yeah, for our listeners? Well, it's a wonderful rule. It's a rule that, that I implemented when I was working in, in UK football for, for all of our football department. Yeah. Every interview has to include a good faith, uh, serious effort to line up uh, uh, minority candidates and female candidates uh, to fight this white male uh, monopoly on all these jobs, which is a very, uh, you know, very destructive thing for the sport. Um, but of course it never gets implemented. You know, I remember, I I remember being with an NFL owner at a basketball game and he was just chatting with myself and his son and saying, you know, well, I'm firing the, the, the head, the head coach of our NFL team. And there's this one candidate, uh, on our offensive coordinator and the other one's a defensive coordinator, you know, which one should we go with? And we just decided right then and there, it wasn't about interviewing candidates or anything like that. You know, these jobs are lined up well before the interviews. So a lot of times they'll just interview one token minority candidate to check the box and then go hire hold, the white hold, guy. Hold on now. What they, so they were basically, I'm thinking of South Park right away, when there's like the token in South Park is the one colored kid in the class of all the, the, well, mainly white kids. So basically in order to fulfill this rule, They'll just have a token candidate. They'll have like, oh, we'll get like, you know, this guy. And then that means we've interviewed a person of color or a, a, a person of an ethnic background. And we'll yeah, we want and I anyway. saw one. You know, a lot of these deals are not only not only are the candidates chosen before the interviews, but the candidate, the, the person who gets the job is often chosen while they're still under contract someplace else. So, you know, I, I saw, for example, Doug Marone. Uh, uh, head coach of the Jaguars get hired, uh, and he was, you know, he, he was tapped up or tampered with while he was still under contract with the Bills. Now, how are you gonna, how are you gonna interview a minority candidate when you've already tampered with some white guy under contract someplace else to come be your head coach, you know, and his buddy uh, Nathaniel Hackett as well. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult to enforce. You do see progress though, which in some ways is is worth celebrating but yeah it's it's slow and and it's taken a long time to get up to speed with a with a serious approach to the Rooney rule okay i mean i mean it, it again it's a great rule because people have spoken about having the same rule in english football because as we do know they're very yeah. very like chris hutton was the irish international ex-irish international was one of the last managers and he always seemed to be sacked for basically doing a good job um, and he's of oh, mixed, yeah. he's of mixed race. Like he's his his mom was Irish. His dad is I, I think his dad's Nigerian or Ghanaian. But basically, um, you know, this is like a uh, 
it's kind of like affirmative action in a way, but it's very hard to do it in sport because you want to try and get the best guy in, and then you've been stuck with all this like kind of like you know paperwork and and, and box ticking. Craig, um, another just still ready to American football. Um, always the kind of the prize position in all of football is quarterback, but I remember um, you know from growing up and watching games. I only knew I think it was two. Uh, coloured quarterbacks. One was Randall Cunningham from the Philadelphia Eagles and it was a guy from the uh, Minnesota Vikings but it, it hasn't really been until the last like say five, six years that um, African-American quarterbacks have actually started to break through. Is that progress in a way as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and the NFL is really going to end up having two different eras uh, before before black quarterbacks were allowed to play the position and after. You know, I, I witnessed Teddy Bridgewater interviewing for an NFL team, and he was pretty much laughed out of the room, basically for being black. You know, he was he was in there with a bunch of white executives, and they said he didn't shake their hand hard enough, and he didn't look them in the eyes. Are you serious? Uh, you know, intensely enough. Oh yeah, crazy stuff. They also said he they couldn't see him as a fit. No, they couldn't see him as a fit. Begs begs the question. Well, what? what what sort of face are you picturing? Yeah. And he's a great quarterback. Great quarterback. You know, the tall white guy they took instead ended up being, you know, a punchline. Uh, but uh, that stuff happens all the time. And, of course, it's a bunch of, you know, 60, 70-year-old white guys that have, you know, made millions from the game uh, just using their eye test to make these decisions oftentimes. Okay. I mean, that, we, we saw that, for example, in the movie Moneyball. Where you know Brad Pitt, he turned yeah, around yeah, his uh, friend. Well, not Brad Pitt, obviously, but uh, <laughs> he played the role. Um, and... You know, for me, it's always a bit interesting when you when you have this kind of this already a built-in, um, let's just say, uh, not not even race, just kind of a discrimination. It's just kind of well, we've always gone with like a quarterback who came from this high school system or this college, and we, you know, that's what they want. Do you think that there there will be a kind of a balance in the future that uh, the more of these older guys start to realize, like like Patrick Mahomes, my goodness, he's a great quarterback. What else? Is is there as well that we can pick up on, or they're always going to be, you know, kind of this this, this casual kind of uh, discrimination? It's it's hard to say. I think there's a lot of progress, but it's it's hard to say. One of the big problems with big money sport is it's just dominated by crime. It's dominated by fraudulent uh, transfer deals in football, money laundering by these agents and non-agents, etc. And because all the big money people are focusing all their time on covering up the crime and covering up the money, you know, how many big football stars keep on getting busted for tax evasion? It's because people are laundering money. And because there's so much focus on protecting this huge money crime, other stuff can't get reported. Racism, child abuse, uh, misogyny, even workplace assault. None of these things end up getting reported because and, and of course not PEDs as well uh, yeah. because, uh, because uh, that works okay uh, uh, and Andy has a question just to, because we're going out now in just a couple of minutes so yeah. just Andy has a, a, a question for you yeah hi Craig just a, a, you, you mentioned implementing the Rooney rule in sport in sporting workplaces do you think there needs to be a bigger effort to actually implement it in schools where they're actually giving certain children a better chance perhaps at learning and developing these roles yeah maybe you know I, I i know less about the local schooling system than i should i'm i'm from america of course and now i find myself in the uk 
Um, but uh, absolutely, I mean, I think sometimes we overstate the skills needed to uh, to take a, a, a serious role in, in big money sport. Um, it's not rocket science a lot of times. Um, a lot of times, you know, minorities and women just need opportunities. I have no doubt at all that there's just, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of women that could walk walk into a position like that right now and, yeah. and do tremendous uh, leap. Listen, just opportunities is so key. Greg, listen, we're going to have to go away, but we, I didn't get onto the medical part of it because that's just the one thing I really wanted to, 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 to pick your brain on. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to come back maybe next week if you have time. Oh, I'd love to. Oh, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Great. I just, I just remember, Warren Moon was the, was that, um, the African-American Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah. Wonderful player, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember him actually playing with the, the Houston Oilers. But I, I, I remember more clearly with the, the Minnesota Vikings, but of course, I remember in the early days of uh, American football when we were watching it in Ireland, uh, playing. So listen, thank you very much, Craig. Look, we're going to speak with you again next week. Thank, Thank you very you much. Guys. Have a brilliant week. Cheers. Okay, that was Craig Klein, the former assistant director of football with Fulham FC. Right, folks, we're going to go to the break right now. We're going to come back with the Russian rugby star, Vasily Artemiev, because um, in five years' time, I hope that he'll have played in his third World Cup. We're going to come back after the break with him. So right now, it's Noah and the Whale and five years' time. Back at the break with Vasily Artemiev. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. be walking around a zoo with the sun shining down over me and you and there'll be love in the bodies of the elephants turn up at my hands over your eyes but you'll peek through and there'll be sun 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 all over our bodies and sun 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 all down the next and there'll be sun 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 all over our faces and sun 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 so what the heck cause I'll be laughing at all of your silly little jokes and we'll be laughing about how we used to smoke all those stupid little cigarettes and drink stupid wine cause it's what we needed to have a good time but it was fun 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 when we were drinking it was fun 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 when we were drunk and it was fun 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 when we were laughing it was fun 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 Oh, it was fun Oh, well, I'll look at you and say It's the happiest that I've ever been And I'll say, I no longer feel I have to be James Dean And she'll say, yeah, well, I feel Oh, pretty happy too And I'm always pretty happy When I'm just kicking back with you 